Hey, good weekend to you. Welcome to Leading Edge. I'm Jerry Anderson, and Happy New Year as well. Out with the old, in with the new. It's a cry that sometimes we hear about this time of year, although that old term sounds a bit harsh. As I welcome in, <laughs> welcome in my first two guests, members of city council who just completed their council careers, uh, and neither of them, by the way, is old. Uh, Rob Ludeman, Cecilia Adams are two members of city council. They've concluded their careers um, and they are not old. They both attended and graduated from Bowser High School. I know because I was there. Um, my family would then move from South Bend and I would become a proud graduate of Bowling Green High School. But uh, it's good to see you guys again. And when I saw you on television at your final council meeting, I said, this would be great to get a bunch of old Bowser people together on TV together. <laughs> yes. Looking back on those days, and Cecile, I'll start with you. Anything about those days, the experiences, teachers, other students that helped inform or shape your careers moving forward, including your roles as a, as a public servant? Well, at Bowser High School, it was quite an event because my sister and I integrated Bowser. Yeah. Prior to that, there weren't any other African-American students there. And so what it did is that it helped me to understand how to operate in a different culture that was mostly not my own. And I also had some excellent teachers. We had a great time. We were asked to be in the Philadelphia Society. We were in the band, we were majorettes, we were in uh, rebelese. We yeah. became very active in that. And so we, we uh, were on the principal's list. It was just a wonderful experience. And so I think that it helped to formulate my feeling that people can get along and that in the, the diversity is important, I think, for all of the cultures that are involved. Rob, same question to you. The, those days, the experiences that really informed, helped shape uh, the public servant uh, that you became. Yeah, they. we had great teachers, as uh, Cecilia mentioned, and uh, great friends. Jerry, you and I knew each other from about first grade on yeah. at Heather Dunn School. Yeah. Um, my kids always laughed when I told them that I went to Bowser for six years because you and I went to junior high at Bowser, <laughs> the second floor wing. And... Um, but uh, I look back and in 1969, I was on the football team that uh, won the first uh, city championship for Bowser and a great group of guys. We got together for a 50th anniversary a couple of years ago and, uh, and uh, we've stayed friends over the years and, um, and the, the uh, margin was, of victory gets greater every year. That was a great, that was Dave Shasky, quarterback, uh, uh, Kime, George? Uh, Kime? George Kime. Uh, George Machuk is your coach. George Machuca's great gate guy, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. right. I'll stay with you, Rob, because you said something to me the other day that you used to hate term limits, but you've kind of had a change of heart. Explain that to me. Well, um, I think that uh, I understand term limits and uh, we have term limits on city council the mayor has term limits. And at the national level, only the president really has a term limit. Um, I think at the national level, the, parts of our country might be different if we did have term limits uh, in, in Washington. And at the county level, there are term limits for the county offices. So I would push, uh, maybe that's my public service uh, in the future is to push for term limits in uh, other venues, because I do think that the changing over new guard, new, new blood um, can bring some new and bright ideas. Uh, How many years all told for you on council? Well, I was 14 as a district, district. councilman. I sat out for two years because I was term limited and now 12 uh, at large. So, uh, Dr. Cecilia Adams, you were not term limited, but yet you chose to step down from council. Why? 
I don't think it takes forever to get anything done. You don't have to spend all 12 years that you're able to have on council. When Mr. Ford passed away, I, I was asked to come over from the school board to council, which I did. I served as, um, you know, I sat in his seat yeah. the whole time, the whole six years that I was there. And I think I was able to get some really substantive and significant legislation through in these six years. And so I felt that it was time to go ahead and take a break, smell the roses a little bit, and let somebody else see what they can do. Uh, I find it interesting you are both children of public servants. Mm -hmm. Rob's dad, longtime judge of Lucas County Probate Court, Willis Ludeman, Cecilia's mom, Dr. Samantha Adams served on the Toledo Board of Education, always one of my favorite interviewees. I loved talking with her at school board meetings. Did they encourage, and Cecilia, I'll start with you, we'll reverse the order here. Did they actively encourage you to pursue public service or did just watching them fuel a passion to serve? It was really fun watching mother. Uh, when we played with her, it was really great. And that's how we, I, I observed how you run a campaign because I had no idea that I was going to be running for the school board myself. And the only way I really knew anything about how to do it was having watched mother in the late seventies and early eighties. And so there wasn't any plan to be in elected office for right. me. Yeah. I had retired from the school district. And so I was just ready to just kind of take care of her and um, travel a little bit and just kind of ride, you know, slowly into the sunset. But then I got a call and I asked mother, I said, mother, what do you think about this? And she said, it's a lot of work, but if you think you can do it, go ahead and do it. I talked to the rest of the family. They said, go for it. And so the rest is history, I guess. Rob, what about you uh, being growing up around the judge? Well, it was uh, being a, a judge was a different type of a campaign. He ran unopposed several times. Yes, he did. Um, it still was a worry campaigning. I, and by the time I ran, my dad had passed away. The one piece of advice he gave me, which I never took, he said, if you ever do want to run for public office, Rob, I suggest that you either change parties or move to Wood County. And I never did. I ran as a Republican in, in Toledo and, and was successful. You had, you, that's right. You had great success, but as a Republican in Toledo and folks, that don't happen often. I'm going to take a break. Um, he's Rob Luderman. She's Cecilia Adams, both stepping down. They've concluded the city council careers. Want them to reflect maybe on what they are most proud of uh, during that time. We'll do that when Leading Edge returns right after this. We're back at our New Year's uh, weekend edition of Leading Edge, kind of the transition this year from one year to the other, kind of a transition at City Hall coming up in the program, one of the newer members of council, but right now, two members who are leaving City Council after years of service. Uh, being on Jerry's show is obviously a highlight of your careers, uh, <laughs> but I know pretty well that your jobs brought infinite numbers of phone calls and letters and emails, many of them, believe it or not, folks, anything but complimentary. How do you wade through that and remain positive? Rob, lead us off on this one. Um, we're moving, as you know, Jerry, and yeah. I found in the move a shoebox full of small handwritten messages, phone messages uh, from constituents to my office downtown. And, and we didn't have email when I came on, barely had voicemail. And so, um, it was just amazing to see how many uh, that we had to answer in, in a certain way, manner, or form. It is, it is much easier now with email yeah. and, um, and other uh, 
IT things that happen through the city that people can complain or make the complaints too. But still, you have to be on your toes all the time. You go out to dinner and somebody wants to tell you about a tree limb that's hanging over. And you got to listen to it, yeah. don't you? You got to listen to it. Yeah. Cecilia, and I know, because Cecilia was on school board, and I know from school board people, oh boy, you'll hear yeah. from parents and, and teachers. Cecilia, how do you wade through, how did you wade through that stuff? Well, I think you just had to listen. Most individuals, even if they were angry, just wanted to be heard. And then even if you had to answer them with something they really didn't want to hear or the answer they didn't want, they were more accepting of it if you listened to them and let, it get off, let them get it off their chest. Mm -hmm. I had a practice that I would return a phone call or a letter within 24 hours. And I think that, that to return that, that phone call between 24 and 48 hours and then making sure if they wrote me, I wrote them back. If they called me, I called them back. Mm -hmm. And I just listened. Sometimes you know you had to listen and swallow pretty hard, but at the same time, I think it was informative because it helped to give you a balanced idea of the pros and cons of an issue that you were having to vote for or to uh, deliberate on. Yeah. They, they finally, in recent years, got the salary up at council. My thing for years when I was, especially when I covered school board, I tell school board members, I, I, I know you're just in this for the money. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, they got paid that much and the meetings, the list of meetings and, you know, hey, to both of you, it sounds like you can just give us kind of a nod on this. You would be open, I'm sensing, to continuing to serve the public at some time in the future. Yes. 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 That's good. I, I think only God knows the future, but I think that whatever it may be, I'll be ready for it right. after a little We've both been blessed with good health for the most yeah. part, and I, I would hope that would continue. But if an opportunity arises, um, yeah, I'd be willing to look at it. So. I hope you both stay in the game. In the meantime, I just wanted to wish you a happy new year. You guys are embarking on some new beginnings. And to thank you for your service to our community, uh, the school system first, uh, Cecilia, and then the community at large. Rob, great run down at City Hall, and uh, happy new year to you both. Happy New Year to you, Gary, and all your yeah. listeners and viewers. Yes. And I'll be back with more right after this. Hey, welcome back to Leading Edge. Happy New Year to you all. We're looking at transitions at City Hall as we transition into a new year. We just spoke with two members of City Council leaving that body, and now I welcome in for his first ever visit to Leading Edge, one of the newer members of Council, John Hobbs III. Mr. Hobbs appointed a council back in, I think, 2020. Uh, when vacancies were created, as you recall, by federal bribery charges being leveled against four council members, none of whom have been convicted, I hasten to add. Mr. Hobbs grew up here, attended St. Teresa's St. Francis High School, graduated the Ohio State Barber College, the University of Toledo. He studied public relations. I believe has added grant writing certifications. He pastors the Dominion Fellowship Church in Toledo's Old West End. That church houses a drug rehab ministry. I don't know what he does when he, in his spare time. I don't see how he has any spare time. <laughs> Mr. Hobbs, welcome. Finally, it's good to get, finally get you on the show. We've come close a couple of times. I'm glad we finally got this done. Good morning, Mr. Anderson. I'm so honored to be here today. Uh, growing up my whole life and watching you on the news. And oh, boy. Just, just a legend. It's been a long Google time, man. That <laughs> I would be sitting here today talking to the legendary. Oh, okay. Mr. Okay. Thank you. You go back. I, I even had the mustache days. We won't go there. Um, <laughs> we're going to start with something as we look to a new year, because um, the meter resets, if you will, at the start of a new year. 
the murder meter in you might call it in Toledo. We're coming off, as you know well, Mr. Hobbs, back-to-back record-setting years for killings. And when I asked you earlier about issue number one, heading into 2022, you didn't hesitate, John. You, boom, said violence. And I read some of your quotes in the newspaper. At times, you sound frustrated with where we find ourselves in dealing with murders. Are you? And if so, why? The frustration is, Jerry, because when I think back to um, what Dr. King and Malcolm X and Megger Evers and the, the so many of these civil rights workers gave their lives for, they sacrificed for, um, they would not be pleased to see what has become of their effort and energy. I believe that there are so many who want to see this change. There is not one component that will do this. It's not going to happen overnight, but it's going to take a multiplicity of ideas and investments in not only the community in Toledo, but across this country in order for us to change what is taking place in our community today. John, the violence. You, you, people have information on most murders in Toledo. Do, do they not? Do you believe that? It, it, but they often don't share that information. And I'm wondering, from your point of view, why not? I believe the community absolutely knows what's happening in its community, but it's fear. Number one is fear of retaliation, because if I talk about what happened, I, what happens and somehow the perpetrators find out about it, then myself and my family or those that are close to me would be retaliated against. Number two, there is a distrust in the community between law enforcement and the community and the black community, the Hispanic community, the poor white community. There's a distrust. I'm not saying that it is the community's fault. I'm not saying it is the police officer or or, 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 or fault. I am saying that there is a distrust in the community and that distrust then, Mr. Anderson, prevents me from coming forward and sharing information that I have um, so that we can then, on one end of it, make corrections and arrest the people properly who deserve to be punished for these crimes that are being perpetrated in our community. You recall the days of your youth growing up in Toledo when police made regular visits to your school, and so did Fireman Freddie, for that matter. Uh, how did those visits affect your view of the police? Being at St. Teresa's, we constantly, three or four times a year, have a police that was a police officer that would come out and talk to us about different things that were happening. What did the red light mean? Green light, yellow light. What did the stop sign mean? Here's guns and don't do this and that. Those type of things and what crack jokes, would bring movies in, would bring snack to us, snacks to us. Those things then, Mr. Anderson, caused us to not fear the police, but see them as our friend and that we could trust them. My dad is a barber, second generation barber. He has barbered at 636 North Detroit in the old South End Hobbs Barbershop for over almost 50, for over 50 years, for 53 years, in fact. 
and the bar, the police officers were constantly in the barbershop. When we would go to play basketball at Ottawa Park or McElwain Park or Heather Downs Park, the officers that took the patrol, the beats in those communities would often get out of the cars. They would throw footballs with us in the street. They would shoot that? hoops. They would hit a baseball. So there was this connection in the community to the police. They even knew who your parents were. And hey, you better stop doing that because I know who your mom was. Yeah, yeah. Well, you would like those to see... John Hobbs the third, my guest, city councilman, uh, District 1, I should mention. Um, you'd like to see a greater police presence in our schools, but do we have the bodies to do that? The, and that's the problem, Mr. Anderson. The problem is, is not that Chief Crawl and the mayor don't want more police. They don't want community policing. It's that in this day and age, because there is such a negative view of police officers because the community does not trust the police officers and because the police officers are not sure who they can reach out into the community. But here's the thing, Jerry, Mr. Anderson, I'm sorry. No, 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 Jerry's you good. Ever change anything from the outside in. You've got to change it from the inside out. And so we need more people to become police officers. Listen, Chief Crawl, the mayor, city council, we're doing everything to, we, we just had the most diverse class of firefighters ever come through, we're doing everything we can to get those to become involved with the police department. But unless we do, unless more minorities and women become a part of the police department, the changes that the community say they won't want won't happen. The mayor has his own approach to dealing with violence, youth violence especially, um, the violence interrupters, uh, Jawan Armour has been a guest on my show. Uh, do you agree with that approach? Mr. Armour is uh, the mayor, and Mr. Armour and the uh, um, the violence interrupters. Anything I agree with anything that will help curtail the violence that is taking place in our city. Jawan Armour is an extremely bright man. He graduated from Central Catholic. He was a uh, a, a phenomenal football player, graduated from the Miami University of Miami of Ohio. He knows he grew up in the inner city just like I did. So we know the community. He knows what's going on. But a lot of people are now like, well, I thought that Jawan Armour was, was supposed to be stopping. There is no way that Jawan Armour can stop the violence that's going on in our city. It takes the village for this to change. Everybody has to be involved in this. So if you think that there is a one solution or somehow Mr. Armour has a Superman cape that he puts on and flies around and stops all the violence, it won't happen. Yeah. It takes the entire community to make this change for our city. Yeah. City is flush with cash. Uh, council had to approve the mayor's plans for spending that money and did so with one dissenting vote out of um, member Katie Moline. Uh, in your opinion, John Hobbs III, does, does the plan spend adequately on the programs designed to reduce violence in the city? First, first of all, I, I, um, um, this uh, um, ARPA money that's coming through, it has to go through to all of the, it, we have to make sure as council, um, the mayor and a lot of the directors 
um, have a lot of great ideas. City council has a lot of great ideas. People in the community have a lot of great ideas. And so what we have to do is we have to make sure as council that we approve of this money to go to the right place. But when it goes to those places, we must follow up and make sure that it is being used in those proper places. Let's take, for instance, the $19 million that's going to go to uh, rebuilding or building the Y uh, over at Wayman, Wayman Palmer. Palmer. Yeah. The, the building, the $19 million. So if we put a new building up, okay, but Mr. Anderson, we don't follow through on making sure that there are mental health agencies in that building, that there are places for young people to go after hours in that building, that there are programs and psychiatrists and, and, and different ones, teachers that may be um, retired, bringing them back to help. We have to make sure. So the building, the $19 million building is not where the change takes place. It's going to be the programming. John Hampson III, Democrat District 1, member of Seattle City Council. I'll be back right after this. Have a great new year, folks. See you next week on Leading Edge.